You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis 22 in your Bibles. This is a, a familiar story, I believe, to many, but I hope you will not tune out because of the familiarity already of the story. It says in verse number one, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. That word tempt, it does not mean that he was tempting Abraham to sin. God will never tempt you to sin. But the word tempt means to test. God was putting Abraham to the test. He was giving Abraham a trial. Now, I want to say this. God does not give tests because he needs to know information. How many of you know God knows everything, right? He's got it all figured out. So the tests and the trials that God gives us many times, it's for us. It's for us to know. You know, we sometimes think, well, if I were in that situation, I know exactly what I would do. Really? I don't have a clue what I would do. I know what I think I would do, and I know I hope I would do this or that. But in this case, God was putting Abraham to the test. And it says in verse 1, that he said unto Abraham, and Abraham said, Behold, here am I. That's a good response. Whenever God speaks, you answer. And you say, God, here am I. Whatever you want, whatever you say, I'm ready and I'm listening. Verse 2, he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Whoa, all of a sudden Abraham's saying, Lord, I'm here, I'm listening. And then God says, I want you to take your son, the only son you have, the one that you prayed for, the one that God gave them when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90, the one that you love, your son Isaac, and I want you to take him and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice. Verse three, and Abraham rose up, what's the next word? Early. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I were doing this and if I were obeying God, I think I'd be dragging my feet. I don't think I'd be up first thing in the morning. I don't think I would be on it like that. But Abraham said, God told me to do something and I'm gonna obey and I'm gonna do it right away. He rose up early and he saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering. And he rose up and he went into the place of which God had told him. Verse four, then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. You know, I'll be honest. I think sometimes I, we skim over that verse and we don't realize that this was not a quick trip. This was not a 10 minute hike. This was not a, an hour journey. This was a journey that took days can you imagine what was going on in Abraham's heart and in his mind every day and every step as they got closer and closer to that place and Abraham knew that he was going to offer his son Isaac as an offering to God, but yet he continued and yet he obeyed. Verse number five, and Abraham said unto his young men, abide ye here with the ass and I and the lad will go yonder and worship, and come again to you. Now, that's a powerful statement right there. He said, hey, I'm taking Isaac, 
and we're going yonder to worship. Now, that's amazing that he used the word worship there. We think of worship as, you know, you come to church for an hour and you sing a few songs and you put a few dollars in the offering plate and you go home. Oh, no, no, no. That's not real worship. Real worship is when we obey. Real worship is when we sacrifice and when we give and when we yield to God. And real worship is when we give something up, not just that we give God our leftovers. But he said, we're going to go yonder and worship. And he said, and by the way, we're coming back. That's a powerful statement of faith. Abraham believed he was going to sacrifice his son on the altar, but he had so much faith in God, he said, I believe God can raise him up again. I believe we're coming back. And friend, no matter what you're going through, I want to tell you, I hope you have that kind of faith to say, if I follow God, if I trust God, if I obey God, we're getting through this thing. And by the way, you can get through this thing with God's help and with God's strength. Verse 6, they went together. Verse 7, Abraham, Isaac spake unto Abraham, and he said uh, unto him, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said in verse 8, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. Abraham said, son, I don't know all the details. I don't have it all figured out, but I know this. God will provide. And I want to tell you this morning, God will provide. We see when you get to the end of this chapter, we see one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. It means God will provide. God will do what he said he would do. God will come through. You just wait and see. God's going to do his part, and you can count on that every single time. He said, God will provide himself a lamb. Verse 9, they built the altar, and they laid the wood, and Abraham bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood, and he stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son, and the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. Aren't you glad Abraham was listening to God still? <laughs> I'm glad he hadn't tuned God out because God had an announcement. God had a command. He said, hey. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For I know, and now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and he looked and behold, behind him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us. Help us not to miss what you have for us from your precious holy word this morning. We thank you for the singing. We thank you for the fellowship. We thank you for the time that we could gather with your people. But Lord, I believe that you have us here and I believe there's something that you have for us from your word. I pray we would not miss it. And please speak and please give us exactly what we need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This place to Abraham was a very significant place because it's the place where God told him to go. After this, after Abraham would go to this place at, on Mount Moriah and offer his son or be willing to offer his son, 
This place would be the spot where the temple of God would be built many years later. David had set the plans and got everything in order, and then Solomon was the one that built the temple in this very spot. That temple was destroyed during the Babylonian captivity, and it was rebuilt after the captivity. That temple continued, and during the time of the Romans, uh, Herod came, and Herod added on to the temple and made it a very beautiful thing. Of course, it wasn't being used for really true worship at the time of Christ like it should have been. But then that temple at that spot was destroyed in A.D. 70 by the Romans. Now at that very spot where Mount Moriah was located, where the temple was built, that very spot, it is occupied by the Muslims. If you've ever been to Israel, you know this, or if you've seen you know, pictures or video, it's, it's the, the Dome of the Rock is located at this very spot. Right next to that, there is a place where the Jews can go. They cannot get into the, 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 the Temple Mount, but they can get up to the wall. They call it the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall. And the Jews will go there and they will still offer their prayers. Many of those Jews don't even know that Jesus came. They don't know that the Messiah already came and died on a cross. When Jesus comes back during the millennial reign, he will set up his temple at this very spot. And it's interesting to me the significance, but for Abraham, all he knew was this was the place where he was going to be put to the test. You see, this was an important place. God was putting Abraham to the test. Abraham had already left his father and mother and the, the Ur of the Chaldees, and he had followed God, and he was just trying to obey and do what God called him. And now God says, I want you to not only give up your father and mother, but I want you to be willing to give up your only son. And friend, I want to tell you, the Bible says, the New Testament tells us, Jesus said, if you don't hate your father and mother and your brothers, then you cannot be a disciple of Christ. That doesn't mean you go home and you tell your parents you hate them. It doesn't mean you tell your family you hate them, but what it means is that your love for Jesus Christ ought to be even greater than your love for your family. And here, God said to Abraham, he said, I want you to offer your son as a sacrifice. And this test was a test that I certainly would never want to face, and neither would you if you're honest. But God put Abraham to the test. We see in this passage, and from the uh, result of this test, we see that Abraham passed. Not only did he pass, he aced this test. Abraham came forth, and, and God showed Abraham that, yes, he, his love was real, and his faith was real, and his surrender was real. Abraham was an amazing man. The Bible calls him a friend of God. He is recorded in Hebrews 11 as a hero of the faith. But yet I want to say, we can learn a lot from Abraham. There's a lot of amazing lessons. But Genesis 22 is really not about Abraham. Genesis 22 is about another father. It's about a heavenly father. And you see, our heavenly father, he offered his only begotten son. Here's the difference. Abraham held back that knife and Isaac was spared. But the heavenly father offered his son, Jesus. And that knife was not held back. Jesus' life was taken on Calvary. You see, those nails were driven into his hands and that crown of thorn was placed upon his head. And, and Jesus on the cross 
cried out and said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the father turned his back and darkness covered the earth because the father could not stand to look upon his son because he had upon himself the sin of the whole world. And a holy God could not look upon that sin. And Jesus on that cross, he, he felt the, the for being forsaken. He felt what it was like to have the Father turn his back on him so that you and I would never know the feeling. Aren't you glad you'll never know what it's like to be forsaken by God? You'll never know what it's like to have your back, God's back turned towards you because Jesus took your place. Jesus took my place. This story is about God. This story is about a heavenly father. The Bible was written so that we could learn about God. I love the Bible stories. I love the story of Noah and the ark, but that story is really not about Noah. That story is about the grace of God that would spare Noah and spare his family from a worldwide flood. And aren't you glad that God is still in the saving business today? There's judgment coming. There's hell coming. Uh, there's a lake of fire coming. But those that will trust God can still be rescued from the wrath to come. I love the story of Moses. The children of Israel coming out of Egypt and they were going up to that Red Sea. But can I tell you that story is really not about Moses. Moses wasn't the one that parted the waters. It was God that made a way of escape. It was God that rescued them. It was God that saved them. And friend, today, I'm glad you're here, but Victory Baptist Church can't save you. I'm glad you're watching the service and listening to the radio, but a pastor can't save you, and a denomination can't rescue you. Only Jesus Christ can save you, and only Jesus Christ can make a way of salvation. I love the story of Joshua. The battle of Jericho, but can I tell you, it wasn't Joshua's expertise that knocked down the walls. It wasn't Joshua's muscles that pushed down those walls. It was the power of Almighty God. And friend, as you read the Bible, can I tell you, it's all about Him. This is the Word of God. This book, we call it the written Word. But can I tell you, Jesus Christ is the living Word. This book right here is all about God. You read the New Testament, you read the Old Testament, and it points to Jesus. You read the New Testament, and it's everybody telling about what Jesus did. And by the way, what he did, he can still do today. He is still in business. I don't read this passage necessarily just to learn about Abraham, although he was an amazing man. But I read this passage, and I learn a lot about our Heavenly Father. Quickly, just a couple thoughts, and I won't keep you long this morning because lunch is already calling. But in this story, I don't know what I would do. In this story, I think I know what Abraham was going to do because he came to the very point that he was willing to offer his son. I don't know for sure what Isaac was going to do, although I think he was going to stay, and I think he was going to yield himself and be willing to be sacrificed because he trusted his father. By the way, this is an interesting thought. I don't know at this point, I don't know if Isaac had a relationship with God for himself. He Maybe he did. I don't know if he did or not. But here's what Isaac was doing. Isaac said, I may not know God myself, but I know that my daddy knows God. And I know that I can trust my daddy because my daddy trusts God. 
And maybe some of you in this room, you've got some children that are still small and some children, maybe they've been saved, but maybe they don't yet have a, a personal relationship or a daily walk with God yet. But our children need to have a mama and a daddy that know God. That'd have been a great place to say amen. Our children need to have a mama and a daddy that know God. Our children and grandchildren need to have a grandma and a grandpa that knows God. They need a Sunday school teacher that knows God. I thank the Lord for Sailor. Uh, she's had mom and dad that have been talking to her. Brandon said for over a year they've been talking and explaining that. But I'm glad there was a Sunday school teacher, Miss Deborah Jordan, that in that class was willing to share the word of God and share the plan of salvation. But we need some Sunday school teachers that know God. I don't mean Sunday school teachers that just come and show up. We need some choir members that don't just show up and sing, but choir members that know God. We need some people on the buses that know God. We need some people in the junior church and master club. We need some people that know God because the children may not know him, but they need to know somebody who does until they can get to know him. Boy, I'm glad I said all that. But I don't know if Isaac knew God, but his daddy sure did. And Isaac said, I'm willing to trust my father because I know that he trusts God. I don't know all that Abraham would have done. I don't know all that Isaac would have done, but I do know what God did. I know that our father spared not his son. I do know what Jesus did. Jesus offered himself freely as a sacrifice for our sin. I'm thankful that in this passage we can learn about a heavenly father and a son that was yielded to his father's will. I see number one, I see in this passage that Abraham worshiped. Abraham worshiped with obedience. He worshiped with trust. He worshiped with surrender. He was willing to give God the best he had. I see number two, that Abraham, uh, 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 number one, Abraham worshiped. Number two, Isaac wondered. Isaac wondered. He said, where is the lamb? And by the way, maybe you're here today and you're still wondering. You're trying to, how does all this work? I've been coming to church, I've been reading my Bible, I've been trying to figure things out, but, but, but at what point do I do enough to get to heaven? Well, I hate to tell you this, I hate to break the news to you, but you'll never do enough to get to heaven because it's not what you do and it's not what I do, it's what Jesus Christ has already done. When Jesus hung on the cross, he said, it is finished, meaning he completed all the work, he paid all the price, all you have to do is be willing to receive the gift of eternal life. But Isaac wondered. He said, where is the lamb? Number three, we see that God worked. You know what God did? God did his part. He did exactly what he said he would do. And you know what? That's just like God, isn't it? He always does exactly what he says he will do. Let me give you a few more thoughts here quickly. Since we've got, we've got a whole five minutes left. Boy, oh boy. We are, we're going we're to cover the rest of the book here. A whole book of Genesis we'll cover in five minutes. Number one, and I'll be done, God will provide. That's what this means. That's the name Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. That's what this story is all about. God provided for Abraham and God provided for Isaac and God has provided for you and me. He's provided our greatest need. Our greatest need is salvation and God has provided the remedy for our sin. God has provided salvation so we can have eternal life. Number one, God provided a substitute. You see, when Abraham was offering Isaac, God said, hang on, Abraham, don't 
take your son's life. And then Abraham looked and what did he see? Caught in the thicket. There was a ram. Because on that mountain, that day, somebody or something had to die. But here's the good news. It didn't have to be Isaac. Can you imagine the relief on Isaac as he is tied, laying on an altar, looking up at a knife coming down? And all of a sudden, they hear a voice from heaven, and the voice says, oh, hang on, don't, don't kill him. And Abraham looks over, and he says, where in the world did that ram come from? We've been journeying for three days. We haven't seen, we haven't seen anything moving around here. And not only is there a ram, we don't even have to catch it. It's already been caught. It got tangled up in the bushes. Ha, huh, I wonder how it got there. You want to know how? Because God provided a substitute on Mount Calvary. As Jesus hung on that cross, that cross was not intended for Jesus because even Pilate said, I find no fault in him. This man's not worthy to die. But you know who should have been on that cross? Me and you. And somebody had to die. And God the Father said, you don't have to die because I'm going to give you a substitute. I'm going to have my son take your place. God provided a substitute. The Bible says that God hath made him, Jesus, to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The ram became the substitute for Isaac, but Jesus became the substitute for you and for me. Hallelujah. Glory to his name. Number two, not only did God provide a substitute, but number two, God provided a sacrifice. Would you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 9? I think this will be the last place we'll look. Hebrews 9. We see that God provided a sacrifice. Somebody had to die. Somebody had to suffer. Somebody's blood had to be shed. Because this sacrifice, this offering required the shedding of blood. By the way, in Hebrews chapter 9, in verse number 22, the Bible says in Almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Somebody had to be the sacrifice. Somebody had to shed their blood. That could have been you. That could have been me. But Jesus said, I'll take the place. I'll be the sacrifice. Notice verse number 26 of Hebrews 9. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. God didn't just put another sacrifice on the cross. He became the sacrifice. He was the sacrifice. He gave his life. The Bible says in Galatians 2.20, that I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, the sacrifice was going to be Isaac, but instead the sacrifice became a ram. The sacrifice on Calvary 
should have been us. It should have been our blood that was shed. It should have been our lives that were taken, but instead Jesus became the sacrifice. The Bible says in John 3, 16, and you know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Did you know that God could have given all the gold in all the world, but that wouldn't have paid the price for your sin. God could have given all the silver. He could have given all the cattle. He could have given all the, the lands. He could have given the sun and the moon and the stars. He could have given all of creation. But that would not meet the demands of a holy God because blood had to be shed. And that blood that was shed was shed of a man who was perfect, sinless, and without fault. And how many of you know there's only been one of those, Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God. Not only did God give us a substitute, He gave us a sacrifice, but number three, He gave His Son. I cannot imagine a father giving his son to die for friends for people that he loved. But God didn't just give his son to die for people that loved him. He gave his son to die for people that hated him. He gave his son for sinners like you and me. Can I tell you, God gave us the best he had. And as I read Genesis 22, I've, I've read it so many times and so many times I've thought about, wow, what a great man Abraham was. And by the way, he was. But when I read it this last time, I read it and I thought, what a great God we have. That he would love me so much that he would let his son die on a cross so that I could have eternal life, so that I could be saved, not only to go to heaven, but I can be saved and I don't have to go to hell. And that's where I deserve to go. And that's where you deserve to go. We deserve hell. But the Lamb of God was, came and was slain so that you and I could be saved. Our Father, I pray that you would take these very simple truths this morning, but I pray you'd remind us of the fact that you provided for our salvation. God, if you could provide for our salvation, I know that you can meet our needs. I know that you can help us with our relationships. I know you can help us with our homes. I know you can help us with our finances. I know you can help us pay the bills. I know that you can uh, take care of the health and the physical needs we have. I know that you can do that. God, you already provided the greatest need we ever had, the need of salvation. We are thankful that you are still Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.